0: Welcome to On Air, the CFM podcast. For over 50 years, CFM Distributors has been your leading HVACR wholesale distributor in the Midwest. In this HVACR podcast, you'll hear from employee owners of CFM Distributors who will provide you with stories, experiences, resources, and ideas to better your business. You can find more information and episodes on our website at cfmdistributors.com or email us at info at cfmkc.com. All right, so here we go. Another episode of the podcast. I'm up here in Omaha, Nebraska, which by the way, it's actually 10 degrees warmer here than it is in Kansas City where I came from this morning. So I'm pretty excited about that. But anyway, I'm here with Hank Kudelik, uh, sales engineer um, in the Applied Systems Group at CFM. And uh, yeah, we got a fun topic today. Gonna talk about some rules of thumb uh, in HVAC design. So Hank, how you doing? Are you, are you ready to do this?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, good to see you here, Brad. Glad you can make the journey up here. I'm doing great today and excited to talk about our favorite rules of thumb for HVAC.
0: Cool. Um, well, I'll I'll get it started. So we actually wrote an article. Um, it's probably been a month or two or three months ago on a couple of these, um, and we added some more to the list. Basically, we just kind of have a top ten. We're just going to kind of go back and forth and cover some of our favorites that we run into uh, nearly every day. And so the first one that I have it's probably one that if you've been in the hvac industry at any length of time or if this is your third day you probably just learned this Um, and that's just a basic 400 cfm per ton rule for um for air conditioning um, on mainly return air units and so this is there's really nothing no surprise here again everyone's probably heard this one um but that's kind of the rule of thumb and that that keeps especially dx systems keeps everything happy it keeps the coil from freezing it keeps the compressor from, from any liquid getting back to the compressor. It keeps, um, it'll keep condensate blow off from happening as long as the coil is designed properly, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, sometimes you can go outside this range a little bit. So if you're trying to get a really cold coil for maybe dehumidification reasons, um, you might see it down as low as about 320 CFM per ton. And again, this is just a rule of thumb. You know, if you have a high outside air unit, you might have an eight row coil, you might be down to 150 CFM per ton, um, and you might be 400 to 450, but in general on a return air machine, if you're starting it up and you've got an average application, nothing special, that's a great place to balance that unit. And if you are, you know, troubleshooting a unit that's got a coil freezing and you find a 200 CFM per ton, you got a five-ton units running 1000 CFM, that's probably, probably the reason. So. That's that's the first rule of thumb.
1: Yeah, and uh, to, I like that, Brad. And to pick up on that, um, it's it's such a commonly known uh, rule of thumb, and it's it's used by so many people that sometimes it's misused. And in in one example that you talk about was the high outside air situation. So if you have a, a doas unit or a, a a unit that's bringing in a hundred percent outside air, um, you actually have to stray away from that four hundred cfm per ton and drop it a lot lower. Uh, there's a lot more of a Uh, load that you're going to be overcoming. If you have a ton of outside air, imagine a hot summer day, the air is going to be more like 95 degrees rather than the 80 degree return air that you typically do. So that changes your rule of thumb and you need um, actually less CFM per ton. So your rule of thumb is dropping down to about 150 CFM per ton rather than 400 CFM per ton, which can feel a little counterintuitive. But for example, uh, to again, bring up Brad's example a five ton Uh, rooftop unit or air conditioner on a basic return air system with your 400 CFM per ton rule, you'll be at about 2000 CFM for that unit. But if you have a five ton DOAS unit or a five ton makeup air unit where you're bringing in 100% outside air, you're actually only going to have 750 CFM of air blowing across your coil to, uh, to overcome
0: that load. Cool. That's a great rule of thumb. I actually use that one probably at least once a week when talking to a customer about sizing a makeup air unit or or a DOAS unit, it's a really good rule of thumb. Uh, So the next one that I have on my list is a rule of thumb for the velocity of air um, across a cooling coil. And typically the rule of thumb is around 500 to 550 feet per minute. And the reason for that rule is anything more than that, um, you can have a tendency to have condensate blow off. So that cooling coil is gonna condense when it's hot and humid outside, and if the air is moving too fast across that coil, what can happen is that condensate can blow off and it can cause issues getting in the blower compartment and, and maybe even getting in the building if, if the unit um, is not sealed properly and it just condensate in areas that shouldn't be is just not a good thing. So um, now that's not necessarily to say you can't stray away from that again, just like all these other rules of thumb. So you may, you may go down into the fours and 300 feet per minute, the one thing you have to worry about on the low end is running into what we call laminar airflow. And what happens is once the air goes so slow, all of a sudden it, it loses its turbulence and it, re, it removes less energy from the refrigerant and the evaporator coil, and that can cause coil freeze issues. Um, and then again, on the high side, you have the condensate blow off. So that's kind of just a quick rule of thumb. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we use that one quite often. Cool,
1: so, so, uh, tailing into the next one, kind of using the information we 've gathered so far that we 've talked about one of my favorite rules of thumb uh, and it's and it 's kind of fun to blow people 's minds sometimes, so if you have if you're on a job site and you're looking at a rooftop unit or you're looking at an air handler inside and all too often the tag is completely worn off, you can't get any information from the unit and you need to find out what the tonnage is to replace it or you're curious what the tonnage is of the coil within your house, um, there's, a, there's a rule of thumb that we use to determine the tonnage of a DX or chilled water coil based off the square foot. So all you need is the uh, foot length and width of the coil, or inches, and then you can use this rule to find out what the tonnage is. And um, the the rule, or the, the little equation that we use, is um, the, the face area of the cooling coil is equal to the tonnage times the rule of thumb that we use, 400 CFM per ton, divided by 500 feet per minute. So in order to figure out the tonnage with that equation, uh, you can take the face area of the cooling coil. So measure the, the length and the width of the cooling coil times 500 feet per minute divided by 400 CFM per ton. And then you'll find out what your tonnage is. And it's a, it's a quick little way to see if you're in the ballpark of what you think that your what, uh, what you think your system tonnage is rated for. Um, and of course, we're using the previous two rules of thumbs that we did. So the 400 CFM per ton and the 500 feet per minute, uh, you gotta be aware if it's a 100% outside air unit or a DOAS unit, you need to substitute the 150 CFM per ton rule for the 400 CFM per ton rule uh, based on your system.
0: That's, that's a great one. I use that one all the time, especially for return air systems. I even kind of simplify it and I use the, um, the tonnage of the coil or the system times 1.25 since basically 500 feet per minute divided by 400 Cfm per ton gives you that square footage of the coil so a 10 ton system should have about a 12 and a half square foot coil and so if I'm on site and I measure up a coil and it's 40 square feet that means I should be around a 30 or 35 ton unit and if someone says yeah this is a 150 ton unit I'm like this there's something wrong here or if this is a 15 ton unit I know something's wrong and it's a great way to to figure that out now while you're on site, as opposed to, you know, going back to the office and be like, oh, dang it, I, I forgot to check this and now I know something's wrong, there's other equipment missing or, or whatever it is. So that's, sure. that's a good one. I yeah,
1: think. it's a good way to simplify it with the 1.25
0: rule. So next one on my list is one, again, that I use quite a bit, um, helping contractors with their load calcs, and it's a max heating capacity rule of thumb. So the rule of thumb is essentially And again, this will depend a little bit on where you're at in the country. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're in San Diego or Southern California, versus up in Quebec, this is going to be a little bit different. But assuming you're in the Midwest, close to us, and somewhere between Omaha, Kansas City, and the Springfield, Wichita area, it's a pretty constant rule. And it's I call it the 1.7 x rule. So how it works is whatever your cooling capacity is in BTUs, you multiply that by 1.7 that is the most you'll ever need for heating capacity. And let me give you an example. And I have to get out my calculator here because multiplying certain things by 1.7 can be tricky. But let's just do this. So a 10 ton unit is 120,000 BTUs for cooling. So if I multiply that by 1.7, I know that the most heating capacity I'll need in that system is about 200,000, 204,000 heating BTUs of output. So I can buy that by 0.8 if I want to, to get to like a 80% input for maybe a rooftop unit, and that'd be 250,000 BTUs roughly. And where this comes in handy is you'll, maybe you're bidding a job and there's something scheduled that looks weird, or you've got maybe even the reverse, you've got a heating unit on site and you can't figure out what that cooling capacity is, whatever it is, it's a handy rule of thumb just, just to say in the worst case possible, I've got no insulation, I've got uh there's no people in the building just what's my worst case you know is my heating i have a boiler is my boiler big enough and just take your cooling btu times 1.7 and if if, as long as you're within that range you're good to go
1: i like it that's a real good one walking uh walking a job site and, and trying to figure out what your max heating load will be um if you know the the cooling tonnage and and this next one is uh Another, another rule of thumb I like to use when out on a job site walking a space, uh, this one's specifically for heating only, um, and it's, it's, a, it's the heating BTUs required per square foot of the space you're in. So if you're, if you're in an office space or if you're in a warehouse and you know what the square footage of the space is, you can quickly figure out how much heating is required for that space in a rule of thumb basis. And again, this is for the Midwest, more of a colder climate. Um, obviously, if you are down in Texas or California, this will be different for you. Um, but on uh, on a standard rule of thumb, we typically go for 50 uh, 50,000 BTUs of heating required per square foot. Or I'm sorry, 50 BTUs. That'd be a lot of heat. That'd be a lot of heat. <laughs> 50 BTUs per square foot is standard, um, and that's a conservative uh, that's a conservative look at how much heating you need. Um, On on average, when we look at an office space, for example, uh, offices are closer to 25 to 35 BTUs per square foot. So 50 BTUs per square foot obviously is conservative. But if you're in a warehouse, more infiltration, um, a larger space, maybe less insulation, you're looking more like 50 to 75 BTUs per square foot. So uh, a decent rule of thumb if you're walking a space and need to decide quickly how much heating you're probably going
0: to need for the space. Yeah, that's a good one so uh the next one i have on my list by the way lots of use and square foots and cfm <laughs> per minute i hope you guys can can keep up because sometimes my head starts to spin uh so the next one actually i was walking a job this morning with the customer and this is one of my favorites too is uh and projects or applications where you have a lot of people crammed into a space so think like uh a sanctuary for church, think an auditorium, maybe a gymnasium, like a sports gymnasium, where you have a lot of people, basically filling most of the space. And when you walk into a, a, a an application like that, again, it can be it can be nice to have a square foot um, per ton rule, but it can also be th- to be handy on these jobs where there's just a lot of people in there. And someone says, hey, I've got a church, and I know I, I need to design for about 150 people. And so the rule of thumb is conservatively 0.1 tons per person when the room is crammed with people so it's easy math 150 people that would be 15 tons so i was actually walking a job like i said this morning and we're in the sanctuary 150 people is max that's 15 tons and that's conservative you know if, if the building is well insulated and there's not a lot of um a lot of other things generating heat or whatever it is that might come down to a 0.07 but the point one i like just because it's really easy to do the math you just move the decimal point over 400 people 40 tons 300 people 30 tons and it really helps you kind of hone in on okay so like the job this morning we're walking okay we're around 15 tons it might be 12 and a half might be 16 tons but we know we're in that range so we know we probably want three phase voltage and we know we're probably going to have you know this type of unit on the roof and, you know what size is the piping probably going to be, and it really helps you again quickly narrow in on what type of equipment you might be quoting, so that you can walk the rest of the job and start to formulate a solution that's going to work again before you get back to your office, and you can spend much less time kind of figuring out what you're going to do.
1: For sure, I like that, and it's and it's good to it's good to be aware of the situations when you have a ton of people in them, because um, for example, you could have you could have a one man office that has two walls that are outside facing and some windows on them, and the load in that room could be a ton, and in that situation, you'd have one ton per person. That's right. And so, um, in, in, a, in a space where you're dominated, the load's dominated by people, a large amount of people, that that rule of thumb really gets cut lower, and obviously, if you have an auditorium of 400 people, it's probably not gonna be a 400 ton load. Exactly, so, yeah. that rule of thumb's really good to, to, to put into that situation. Um, and to tail off that another another ratio that will clog your mind is a square foot per ton so uh, a, a situation where you're not going to be dominated the load by a ton of people uh, this is a most common a more common ground office space type uh, type area but it's 300 square feet per ton so kind of like the heating one i was talking about earlier where you can find out using a square footage which is typically common knowledge for a space figuring out the cooling load required using this 300 square feet per ton ratio um, and obviously it's it's a it's a conservative rule of thumb um, if you have a higher load in the space if the space is generating heat um, low insulation a ton of windows you might be down on the one to 200 square feet per ton um, and if you have uh, a low load there's a lot of insulation a uh, few people you might be in the five to six hundred square feet per ton Um, And its I I use this rule most often when I'm actually going in and doing a load calc. So if you have a different means of going and doing a a cooling load calc or a heating load calc, um, I typically use this rule of thumb to check myself and to see if I'm within that range that I'm typically a part of. So um, if I go in and do a load and I see it's a five ton load, I'll go see what the square footage of the space is and make sure that I'm laying within that range near that 300 square foot per ton mark.
0: That's a good one. And I think what you kind of said there at the end, too, is um, since these are rules of thumb, they're they're just a starting point. So after you get done checking the rule of thumb, do the load or after you do the load, use the rule of thumb to make sure you didn't do something, really just make a big mistake. And all of a sudden now you're at four CFM or you're at four square foot per ton. You're like, wow, there's no way that any buildings ever four square foot per ton. I must have fat fingered something. Um, So that's a great point. Totally. Um, so next rule of thumb is, uh, again, another good one. Um, I probably don't use it as often as some of these other ones, but it can still be a really good, um, a really good, again, rule of thumb to kind of double check your load or when you're maybe even estimating ductwork. work. And that is a CFM per square foot rule of thumb. So, um, a commercial application is again, most of the time rule, good rule of thumb is about one to one and a half CFM per square foot. Um, If you've got a a space that's got a heavy load, whether it's internal heat gain from people or from equipment or uh, lighting that's not efficient, uh, incandescent bulbs, whatever it is, you can easily get up to a two CFM per square foot. Um, And then you you may have, again, some jobs where you're less than one. But again, if you're walking a job and you just want to know really quickly to, to figure out what size your duct needs to be, if you just plug in about one and a half. Uh, CFM per square foot, then you're going to be pretty safe most of the time. Awesome.
1: Awesome. And and to tail off that, something similar is um, outside air CFM per square foot. So obviously fresh air is a hot topic nowadays, and people are wanting to introduce more fresh air to their space. Um, And if you wanna go calculate the required amount of fresh air for a space, you can take a deep dive into the International Mechanical Code, and there is a pretty complicated equation um, with a bunch of different factors, uh, the type of application, the number of people in the space, the square foot in the space, how much exhaust you have, all into this equation, but this rule of thumb will give you a decent idea of how much outside air you'll need per square foot in different applications. So, uh, for example, to start an office space, is 0.085 CFM of outside air per square foot. Um, a conference room is gonna be a little bit more than that because they're expecting more people to be in that area. So a conference room is 0.31 CFM of outside air per square foot. And uh, as a quick example, um, a 20-foot by 50-foot conference room, that's a thousand square feet, right? Uh, so they're expecting you to have 0.31 CFM of outside air per square foot. So with a thousand square feet, that's 310 CFM of outside air needed for that thousand foot conference room. Um, and, a, and a couple other quick ones, uh, retails 0.23 CFM per square foot, uh, a bar and lounge is more than that. Uh, they're expecting to have more people in there, 0.93 CFM outside air per square foot. And uh, on the extreme side for a smoking lounge, um, that's up to 4.3 CFM of outside air per for, for square foot. So you really are pumping a ton of fresh air into that
0: space. That's a lot of outside air. Yep. Yeah, this one's been a really good one that we basically just built a spreadsheet for um, probably a year or so ago. And we realized that there's actually just a formula for that that covers the, based on the, the, po- the population density, based on the CFM per square foot, and then based on CFM per person, there's literally just a, a formula you can plug in. So that's been, a great way to just quickly on your loads plug in that cfm per square foot. That's that's a handy one. Cool man. Well, hey, that was that was ten, and I think yep. we've probably got enough acronyms out there to <laughs> suffice for now and have your head spin a few times. Um, so yeah, I think I think we got everything uh, taken care of. What do you think, Hank?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, hoping you guys will be able to use these when you're on a job site and impress whoever you're with that you know exactly what the load is every single time you're there.
0: Cool. Well, we can we can wrap up now. And uh, yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, give us a call um, at eight one six eight four two fifty four hundred is the Kansas City main line. And then um, if you want to reach out to me, uh, my email is b period telker at cfmkc dot com. And Hank, how can people get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. So I'm up in the Omaha, Nebraska area. And uh, again, my name is Hank Cudilec. It was it was great talking to you all. Um, best way to reach me is my cell phone, which is 402-415-4806, and my email is h.cutilek which is spelled K-U-T-I-L-E-K, at cfmkc.com.
0: Awesome. Well, that wraps her up. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in, and yeah, reach out to us if you have any questions, and uh, until next time, we'll talk to you then. Thank you. Later. Thank you for listening today. You can tune in each Friday right here for new episodes. If you'd like more information, visit CFM's website at cfmdistributors.com or email us at info at cfmkc.com.